tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker and I thought if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. It's normal to be sad that you can't drink feel like you're missing out, or to start romanticizing alcohol. It's okay to miss it, but that doesn't mean that you have to drink. In this episode, I explain how we get stuck on this ideal version of our drinking that isn't actually real, why we easily excuse the negatives from our drinking and always think it's going to be different, and how you can work on grieving alcohol and being okay with letting it go. So let's dig in. Welcome 
welcome back to the Silver Powered Podcast. I am your host, Jill, and today we're talking about grieving alcohol. Sometimes when I go out, even years into sobriety, I feel a little bit sad. I see most people around me drinking, and for a moment, I wish I could participate. And it's okay to feel that way. That doesn't mean that my sobriety is at risk or that I'm doing something wrong. There's a grieving process that comes with giving up alcohol, but we get confused with it. We think that we're grieving our drinking, but we're grieving what we hoped our drinking could be someday, not our real drinking. And it's important to understand that difference. When we're young, we start to develop expectations about the world around us us. Our brains organize all of this information that we receive each day into rules so that we understand what values our family has and the norms of society. These rules go on to create a vision of an ideal life. And your ideal life probably looks different from mine, which is fine because we grew up differently and we are exposed to different things. Somehow my brain categorized the messages that I was receiving into valuing career success, working in the city, living in the city, and being classy and professional, which involved sharing a bottle of wine after a long day of work with my husband. That last one was a big one for me. I thought that I needed to get a lot of promotions, live in an apartment in Boston with a great view, marry a businessman who wore a suit to work, take the train to my high-powered job, and share a bottle of wine with my husband each night. I thought that that was the life, the goal. Think on what your younger self thought that your ideal life was later today. How much of that ideal life have you achieved? Were you able to let any of those things go? And just because our brains form this idea of our ideal life when we're young doesn't mean that it's actually the ideal life. If we end up achieving all of these things, then we don't notice this programming running in the background and we think that we lived a normal good life. But once we start to deviate from the ideal life, we feel it. It's not just that we think that this is the ideal life. We have assigned expectations, significance, and meaning to these things. And we've maintained these beliefs for a very long time. This is called non-finite grief. And it happens when we lose things that we never really had. And when the possibility of our ideal future goes away, or when life doesn't live up to our expectations. If you know about my career journey, then you know that I have struggled with this a lot. I spoke about it in, I think, episode 155 a few months ago, if you missed it. But I thought I was going to have a PhD and a really important career in the sciences. And I had to mourn that. And that was hard for me. When life doesn't happen according to our expectations, it can cause fear, feelings of failure or being abnormal, and it can make us want to avoid. We've been talking about all or nothing type of thinking in my community meetings recently. When you think that the life you expect is good and everything else is bad, then it's going to create negative feelings when you don't live up to the ideal version of you. 
Instead, we need to expand our thinking to see that many different options are good for us. I didn't end up marrying a businessman who wears a suit to work. I married a scientist who wears jeans and sleeps till the last possible second most of the time. That's still a pretty good option, even if that wasn't what my childhood self imagined for me. If we can't expand our thinking, then a non-finite loss is going to make our life feel other. Your ideal life probably involved alcohol because we're obsessed with alcohol and it becomes the most important thing to us. When you quit drinking, you have to grieve the life that you thought you would have with alcohol. Grieving it is normal. Not drinking impacts most areas of our lives. We feel our otherness in our friendships, work, our hobbies, our vacations, and in dating and relationships. And you will probably have to grieve alcohol multiple times throughout your sobriety, and that's okay. There's an extra factor here that we have to remember. We struggle to see reality when it comes to our drinking. We make excuses and negotiate alcohol back into our lives. And despite what your hangover brain might be telling you, we don't do this because we're stupid losers with no self-control. We do it because the brain is designed to view our past in a positive way so that we don't feel like our life sucks. There have been lots of studies on the uneven fading of negative memories versus positive ones over the past hundred years. About 60% of unpleasant memories fade, but only 42% of positive memories are forgotten. And studies have found that while this type of fading is present in all age groups and cultures, mental health has a big impact on which memories fade. People with depression will especially struggle with recalling positive memories. And if a person is insecure, bad memories may persist longer than they would in people who are more confident. So if you have depression, then you may be ruminating on unpleasant memories and reinforcing them in your mind, which makes them stronger than they would be for a person without depression. And it's similar with our drinking. A 2013 study published in Consciousness and Cognition found that the fading of alcohol events was substantially larger than it was for ordinary events, but only for heavy drinkers, which they classified as 24 or more drinks per week. And that may sound like a lot of drinks to you, but remember, one standard drink is pretty small. One glass of wine at a restaurant could easily be two or two and a half standard drinks. And if you drink a bottle of wine at night, then you're consuming 35 drinks a week. And if you drink a six pack a night, then you're consuming 42 drinks per week. It adds up really fast. This is one of my favorite studies that I've read because they found that at low to moderate alcohol consumption, the negative memories from alcohol events hung around more strongly. And this may discourage moderate drinkers from drinking too much because they remember the hangovers and all the other unpleasant stuff. But here's the coolest part. The researchers observed the opposite effect for heavy drinkers. That negative alcohol memories faded much faster and the positive memories hung around. So to me, this means that moderate drinkers are learning from their mistakes and they're remembering the bad parts of the drinking experience. So when they consider drinking again or having another drink, they weigh the pros and cons 
and decide if it's worth the negative parts. But for heavy drinkers, we're not learning anything and we can't accurately look at our drinking for what it is. We always think it's going to be different this time. And that's because we forget the negative parts very quickly so they don't weigh in on our decision to drink or not. And this makes the grieving process harder too because the negative memories of your drinking hold less power than they do for other people. I had a really big pink cloud. I loved early sobriety the second time I did a long stint. I was high on not disappointing myself every day, not waking up at 3 a.m. with anxiety, and not feeling suicidal anymore. All the benefits that I saw made sobriety really exciting to me. But eventually those benefits slow down, and then they really slow down. This is when we are vulnerable to drinking again. When I quit drinking for good, I had such strong acceptance that I didn't have to grieve it in the beginning. But once my pink cloud wore off and life was good, but I still couldn't drink. And that was tough for me. I was around six months sober and it took me a few months to grieve alcohol. I had to let go of that vision that I had for my future where I thought I'd be moderating my drinking and being a classy wine drinker. I had to accept again that this was impossible for me. And I think the trouble with grieving alcohol is we get stuck on this ideal version of our drinking that doesn't exist. So then we see sobriety as deprivation and missing out. And this also closes us off to the idea that sobriety might even be good. So if you're struggling and you feel like you're grieving your drinking, just know that that's a really normal part of the process. But I want you to work on seeing exactly what you're grieving. You're not grieving your actual drinking, because if that drinking was so good, you would still be doing it. You're grieving what you hoped your drinking could become someday. And that, to me, is the process of letting drinking go and getting to acceptance that the sober life is the best life for you. So keep going. You are on the right path. And I will talk to you next week. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how to's for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.